Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Southwest. Happy to see you here at 9 a.m. on this Sunday morning. And those watching at home for the live stream, hello to you as well. My name's Andrew. I'm one of the ministers here. A few things we want to uh, let you know for your calendar and things going on around here at Southwest. Uh, the first is uh, we previously had a one a worship night scheduled for August 23rd. That event has been postponed, not canceled, postponed. When we kind of put this together and planned it, it was late June, and we kind of hoped things would look different as far as the COVID landscape was looking. Uh, we kind of regrouped as a leadership this over the weekend. Like, you know what? The timing is not quite right, but when the timing is, we're going to have a great celebration and with one voice at North Park. So we'll have that when we have that, but that has been postponed. So take that off your calendar for now. However, on that day, August 23rd, that Sunday morning, we are having a baptism Sunday. We have this uh, typically two-ish times a year, and uh, we think that you can be baptized anytime you want to, but sometimes we just need that little extra push. Sometimes we just need that little date on the calendar for you to start thinking, you know what? Maybe the time is right. Maybe I am ready. So if that is you, we would love to celebrate with you and uh, devote time to baptisms right over here that Sunday morning. So if you're thinking about it, uh, we would love to talk with you. We'd love to schedule that, but also we would just uh, have great reason to celebrate as one body. So if you think that might be you, or even you might be curious, uh, we're going to have that that day. And later in the hour, uh, Roger's going to talk about a couple of starting point events coming up. You can mark your calendar and really kind of make an informed decision on that front. Uh, the last piece is up to this point, and it's uh, it's true even as I speak now, uh, we have been fortunate in that there has not been, to our knowledge, any COVID-positive cases come on a Sunday morning. Uh, but ever, However, we have heard of churches where that has happened. So uh, wisdom says if that is were to happen, we want to be proactive. So if there were a COVID-positive case that we hear about on a Sunday morning, we would like to let everyone know after the fact. Again, we've not had this up to this point. We hope we never will. We have these guidelines in place for a reason. And you guys have been doing a great, great job in upholding that to, uh, as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but if that does happen, we will want to let everyone know if you sign up ahead of time, then we already have your contact info. You are good to go. But if you by chance just walk in on a Sunday morning, which is fine, and you want to be kept in the loop and be notified, then when you come in, there's uh, that welcome counter. We have a sheet with a sign that says, hey, want to be contacted? Just write your name and your contact info. And that way we will have it and we will to uh, kind of follow up as needed. But again, we're just being proactive. No uh, known case of this happening, but if it does, we want to be as prepared as possible. Uh, outside of that, once again, we're thrilled that you're joining us this morning as we continue on in our one series. Uh, but if you would, I'm going to pray for all of us, and uh, I invite you to join with me. So let's all pray. Father, in this morning, uh, with this... Uh, word faith. One faith is what we're after. And we pray that no matter where we are in our faith journey, uh, that we would be emboldened, that we would be made stronger, that we'd be more confident in our faith in your son, Jesus. So even if we think we have nothing left to hear, nothing left to learn, put that aside. Let us uh, take on the uh, posture of a learner, of a humble servant, and hear exactly what you would have for us as we renew our, uh, our sense of commitment and unity to one another and to you. And we want to begin this by lifting our voices as one body in worship to you. It's in Jesus' name we all pray together. Amen. It's good to be here today. And it's, it's good to uh, be here whether you're in person, as I see a number of you are, or if you are at home watching through the live stream. We're grateful for each and every person, whether live or in live stream. It's good to celebrate together our common faith.
in God, but it's also good to celebrate God's faithfulness to us as a church. One of the things that keeps me going even when life is tough is just to see the many ways that God has blessed me personally. And for us as a church to see how God has blessed us collectively as a church here at Southwest. Let me give you two examples of the way I've seen that play out in the life of the church here. One is, uh, we've already celebrated, but if you, if you hadn't heard or just to, to re-celebrate with me, you know, last year during our special offering, we uh, prayed and designated money to purchase live stream cameras and equipment that we ordered at the beginning of the year and arrived that first week of March. You talk about timing. You talk about, you know, you just talk about God at work and God's faithfulness, how that God saw what we couldn't see coming ahead. I just, I just wanna praise God and thank you. Thank God for how he provided and thank all of you for being generous back during the special offering so that could be a reality. The second example is that prior, also prior to the pandemic, we had begun a search for a connection minister here at Southwest to help strengthen our connections within the church and the community. And as a result of that, we had 70 applicants that applied for the role. And uh, honestly, when the pandemic hit, uh, we put a pause on that just to kind of make sure that that was the right step for us to take. And, and uh, yet, as a result of that, uh, result of your ongoing financial generosity, which has just allowed us to continue to go forward with dreams and, and initiatives and, and plans for the future, we, we picked back up our search and we even see now a greater need for someone to come alongside our staff and to be a part of our staff to help strengthen our relational connections within our church and within the community. You know, that's even more difficult during this current situation we find in, ourselves in. But we were able to move forward with the search and we uh, are thrilled today to share with you that we have officially offered the role to our top candidate and we are thrilled to share with you that Rocky LaPrade and his wife, Elena, and their three sons, Henry, Seth, and Jonas will be moving here and beginning their new journey with us here at Southwest beginning in just a couple weeks on August 23rd. Yeah, yeah, praise God. In fact, uh, uh, we extended the offer to Rocky uh, this week and he accepted on the spot and we're thrilled about that. And, uh, but we wanted to announce it to you this first Sunday after that, that was made and yet, uh, we didn't know that he was gonna surprise us and he and his wife are gonna show up here around 10 o'clock today at the end of this service and stay for the second service. So if you want to try to meet them, you know, make sure you allow physical distancing, but uh, they'll be out in the lobby or outside, uh, out, outside the building and wanna welcome the LaPrade family, but also wanna pray for God to be at work in them and through them to help us deepen our connections with each other and with others in this community that desperately need to hear this faith that we're celebrating today. So with that said, let's go ahead and pray and thank God for his faithfulness and uh, pray for the LaPrade family, but also just for our message together. So let's pray together. 
Dear God, we just uh, sometimes just need to pause and, and remember your faithfulness. Father, it's so easy for us to, to, to complain or be unhappy with our current situation, and yet, Lord, we just need to remember how good you've been to us and just remember the ways you've blessed our lives individually and collectively. We praise you for how you worked just in the special offering last year to be able to have the live stream cameras, to be able to have the equipment to do that just at the right time. Father, we see your hand at work there. Father, we wanna thank you for how you've blessed us as a church financially and how so many of the members even that haven't yet started coming back to the building are still continuing to give generously. And as a result of that, we can move forward with plans and dreams and we're grateful for that, Father. We give you thanks for that. And we wanna thank you for how you brought Rocky and Elena and their family to be with us. And we look forward to them coming and just, just strengthening our ministry team, strengthening our leadership here at Southwest and specifically strengthening our connections within our church and with each other and, and, and with others in the community. And Lord, it's, it's more difficult right now. We acknowledge that. But we see that need and we just, uh, again, thank you for your timing. And we just ask that uh, you'll bless Rocky and Elena as they move here and bless them as they uh, minister here. And so we're grateful for them. Father, I pray now as we, as we open up the Bible, as we read from your word, I pray that, that you'll really speak to our hearts today. Father, I'm excited about what I'm gonna share, but yet, Lord, I, I sense so much my desperate need for you to be at work and empower me give me the words to say. And also, I just pray, Father, that you open all of our hearts to hear what your word has to say to our lives. Help us embrace this thing called faith and learn what it means. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this morning, we're continuing our series of messages entitled One, as we examine this serious call found in Ephesians 4 for commitment and unity. This is the way the Message Bible reads in the section of Ephesians 4 that we have, are continuing to unpack today, the, the oneness that we're called. And listen to how Ephesians 4 in the Message Bible reads. You were all, you were all called to travel on the same road in the same direction, to stay together both outwardly and inwardly, you have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Last week we talked about the object of our faith, the one Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. Today we wanna to look more closely at this one faith that we're called to embrace. Now to examine this important subject, we're gonna to seek to answer some very basic questions and yet I think important questions on this subject of faith. First, let's make sure we understand correctly how the author is using the term, the author of that passage we just read, Ephesians 4, when he wrote, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So our first question is how did the Apostle Paul, who wrote this text, use faith 
in this letter to the Ephesians. So let's see how the author, the Apostle Paul, has used this earlier in the letter. In Ephesians chapter one, we're introduced to this term faith. It says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. As we see in the first time he uses the term faith in this letter, he is describing their faith or trust in the Lord Jesus, as we discussed last week. What does it mean to have that one Lord, that one master? We see that the emphasis throughout Ephesians is this, this idea of faith being trust. As you can see in the Message Bible, which is a paraphrased version of the Bible, but yet it can be very helpful sometimes to kind of get a sense of what these words mean. And in Ephesians 1 verse 15, he says, I've heard the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus. Boy, if there's ever a time that we need a solid trust in Jesus Christ, it's right now. We're living in a time that's unpredictable and is uncertain. And it seems like the one thing that's constant is change in this season that we find ourselves in. I mean, how many of us could have predicted some of the challenges that we have faced in the past six months? Personally, my wife, Jay, and I began this year with great optimism, not having any idea of some of the personal challenges that we would face in our family. We also had no idea that that dream vacation that we had planned to fly to Alaska and take a cruise ship all the way to Vancouver would not be happening. By the way, our original plan was to be somewhere off the coast of Alaska this weekend. But that didn't happen, did it? And you see, that's the way life is. Sometimes things happen and things come at you that you just can't expect. I guess we're just gonna have to settle for a trip to Washington, D.C. in October to see grandchild number five. Yet even in that, I have to say, you know, with, you know, if it's the Lord's will, we'll go to D.C. in October to meet that grandson. The truth is that life is uncertain. And the year of 2020 has helped drive that point home clearly for, for all of us. And it's in the midst of these life challenges and disappointments that our hearts long to have a foundation in which we can truly trust. We long for a foundation. We long for a security in an un insecure world. We long for a certainty in an uncertain and uncertain world. This is where faith in Christ becomes so important. You see, Jesus is that foundation. He is the cornerstone that we can trust and rely. During a year that I personally have had to wrestle with the reality of death of loved ones. And as a country, we've had to wrestle with the, the reality of deaths of more than 160,000 Americans related to COVID. 
We've had to wrestle with the truth that life on this earth is extremely short. And the most important question is truly, are you, am I, in a saved relationship with God? And if something happens to us physically and and our physical life on earth comes to an end, do we have confidence of an eternity with God in heaven? Do you have that confidence? I hope you do. But if you don't, I'm glad you're here because we wanna point you today to how you can have confidence, even if it's just a starting step for you. You see, this is, this, is, this is the understanding and this is the predominant way that Paul uses the term faith in, the, in this letter to the Ephesian Christians. He's describing this trusting relationship with God that we can experience a saved relationship with him, security in an insecure world, certainty in an uncertain world. Now, by saying this, we aren't saying that somehow we can earn or deserve this relationship because we muster up enough faith or trust in God in our heart. Paul makes it crystal clear to the Ephesians that salvation is a gift of God by grace. He writes this in the second chapter, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Salvation is a free gift from God that is made available to us by God's generous love and mercy. And yet we receive this incredible gift through a personal faith response. In my theological education, I've butted up against a view that many people in the 21st century have embraced, even if they've not yet embrace the terminology that goes with it. The view I'm talking about is a view that's described as universal salvation. Now this is the way that I've heard it described. Because of God's amazing grace demonstrated in Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for our sin and because of what Jesus accomplished, and I've even heard theologians say this, because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, hell is empty. Now, as much as I would love to believe that for friends and family members and loved ones that have not yet placed their trust in Jesus Christ, I don't see this teaching of universal salvation taught in Scripture. I've tried to. I mean, I would rather believe that. But the truth of it is, I see in Scripture that that God has designed a way for us to have salvation. God has designed a way for us to have certainty of salvation. And that God's part of salvation is grace, His mercy, extended to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. And yet our part is faith. Yes, I believe there is a faith response to this incredible gift that God has made available to us in Christ. Remember, it says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. You see, faith is the means that we receive this incredible gift. This idea of trust and faith is a predominant way that this term faith is used 
throughout Scripture. And before we go on to the next question that I want to ask on the subject of faith, I, I want to ask you a question. Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have that trust? Do you have that saving faith that, that you've trusted Jesus Christ for your salvation? And are you confident of that? But let's go on to talk about another aspect of faith. And let's honestly ask ourselves, how else is faith described in the Bible? And what is the standard for this faith? In a very small New Testament letter that probably some of you have skipped over trying to rush ahead to get to the book of Revelation, or maybe you've avoided because it's right there next to the book of Revelation, and so you think, I, I don't know if I want to even get close to it. You know, one of the media guys asked me, said, which verse, which chapter are you talking about, Roger? And he said, Jude 3. Well, there's only one chapter, okay? It's a small little book. And in the third verse, this is what it says about faith. Jude writes, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Here we see the word faith used to describe a core statement of faith that was accepted by the early church. In other words, this passage is not describing a personal faith like those earlier passages we looked at, but instead an established, widely accepted Christian faith. Honestly, this is where the challenge exists for many. How to determine what are the core essentials of the Christian faith. That's what we're trying to do throughout this whole series as we're looking at these seven ones listed in Ephesians chapter four, which I believe are the core essentials of Christian unity. And yet, how do we, how do we discern that? And although we don't have time to unpack all those core beliefs today, we're just looking at this subject of faith, yet we do wanna unpack the easier question, what is the standard for this faith. This is how Paul described it to his apprentice, the young church leader named Timothy. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 14, he says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God or the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As a church, we proclaim that the Bible is the written word of God. And we call everyone who wants to embrace the Christian faith to accept as the standard and norm for their faith the scriptures. You see, if we don't come to agreement on what the standard or norm of our faith is, then we'll never be able to come to agreement of what are the essentials of the Christian faith. This is the standard that we have embraced as a church, the standard of God's word. And yet, I wanna ask you, have you embraced the Bible as the standard for your life? 
Have you embraced the Bible as the standard for your personal faith? Personally, I've embraced the scriptures as a standard for my life and my faith. That's why I rejected the teaching of universal salvation when I was exposed to it. Although I'd love to believe it in some ways, I couldn't square it up with what scripture has to say. Now, this doesn't mean that I've figured out all of what Scripture says and means because I don't make that claim. There's a lot in this book. And I have to humbly acknowledge that I'll never figure it all out. And yet, I have committed myself to the Scriptures as the standard for my life. And I want to point you and I want to point everyone that walks through these doors or everyone that watches a a live stream worship at Southwest to understand that we have embraced as a church the scriptures as the standard, the norm for our faith. And I believe that this is the very first step toward unity of coming together with a common standard, a common norm that we can appeal to, that we can look to to be a group of people that keep coming back to what does the Bible say? You know, I've shared this before, but I really mean it. I mean, if I ever teach something that you don't think is consistent with Scripture, I want you to point it out to me. Because we've, we're all on that same journey trying to embrace what does God's Word say? See, this is how we approach the teaching here at Southwest, to be faithful to all of God's Word. That's why when we develop messages, we search to Scripture and we seek to expose Scripture as it it is written. For example, researching for this message, I found out that the word faith, the term faith, is mentioned 700 times in the Bible. And although I didn't read all 700 of those passages, I read a bunch of them. And I was surprised which books of the Bible the word faith showed up the most predominantly. I was surprised that the word faith shows up 130 times in the Old Testament book of Psalms. And yet when I dug a little bit deeper in that research, I discovered that the vast majority of the times the word faith is used in Psalms, it's embedded in this bigger term of faithfulness. And this raises a question. It raised a question in my heart, Who is the ultimate example of faithfulness in the Bible? Was it Noah? Was it Abraham? Was it Moses? Was it Joshua? Was it Job? Who was the ultimate example of faithfulness? You know what I found? It's God. In fact, if you open up the Bible to the very center of the Bible, it's the very middle of the Bible. It's the middle chapter, Psalm 117. It's the shortest of all the Psalms. It's the shortest chapter in all the Bible. And this is how it reads in Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise God the Lord. Isn't it good to know that God is faithful even when we aren't? Isn't that good to know? God is a faithful God. When he promises something, he delivers. And that's something we can be certain of in an uncertain world. 
That's something we can be confident of. Even when everything around us seems to be changing, that's something that won't change. God keeps his promises. And as we conclude this, this, this foundation of our message, the theological portion of our message, we're gonna get more practical after this next song, but, but let's pause and, and praise the one who's the ultimate example of what it means to be faithful. He's reliable and he's worthy of our worship. So let's stand and sing as we sing the words, great are you, Lord. It's good to be reminded of God's faithfulness. In the last 10 to 15 minutes, we wanna get very practical. How do we practically demonstrate faith? Remember, faith is defined in scripture in the following way. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. As I shared earlier, my hope is that you have the assurance of the hope of heaven and that you have confidence in your eternal security with God. If you don't, then we want to make sure that we answer any questions you might have. We want to make sure that we... Uh, lead you to a confidence that Scripture points you to. In fact, to do that, we want to invite you this Tuesday at 7 p.m. here at the Worship Center. We're going to offer what we call a starting point class. And this is a class designed for those that are new to Southwest or want to learn more about the core beliefs. It's designed for those that maybe are new to Jesus and just want to learn what does it mean to follow Jesus. And if you don't have assurance, if you don't have certainty that you are in a right relationship with God, then we wanna invite you to come this Tuesday at 7 p.m. here in this room, and we're gonna talk about how you can have assurance. This is our goal for every person who worships here at Southwest, whether in person or through live stream. And by the way, if you can't attend the starting point class, maybe for health reasons or concerns you have there, then I'd like for you to reach out to me. Email me, because we'll set up a Zoom opportunity for you to cover this material so that you can have confidence, so you can have that assurance the Scripture talks about. It's also significant that faith is defined by the conviction of things not seen. We've never seen God, and yet by faith we're convinced that he exists. We've never seen the risen Jesus Christ, and yet by faith we have conviction that he lives. We've never seen the Holy Spirit, but, but we're convinced with conviction that he is at work in the life of those who are following Jesus. Do you have biblical faith? Are you convinced that God wants to work in your life in significant ways? Are you convinced that God wants to bring about changes in your life for you to become more like his son, Jesus Christ? Are you convinced that God wants to bring about transformation in your life for you to be more full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? These are not natural qualities. And yet, by faith, we can be convinced that these qualities will become more and more evident in our life 
through the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, this is just a sampling of what it means to demonstrate faith in our daily lives. Are you demonstrating faith in your daily life? By the way, our world needs more faith, and it needs more faithful people right now. Maybe you've seen the the Reese Witherspoon Corona calendar meme where she goes through the year, you know, starts with January with optimism, and then it's just February, like what's going on in March, and, and then just kind of frazzled by the time you get to July and August. I don't even want to see what September might look like. And I'm... I, I, uh, it's been interesting, you know, other celebrities like Kerry Washington have got on the, the bandwagon and, and Stephen A. Smith on ESPN, I liked his version. You see, there's a lot of angst, there's a lot of doubt, there's a lot of fear and insecurity out there. And there's a great need for more and more of us to demonstrate faith that will be manifest by a calm, confident, peaceful spirit in the midst of a troubled world. Do you have that faith? Are we going to get through this pandemic season and see the prayers of many be answered with a vaccine? Yes, by faith, I believe that. I believe we're going to get through this. Are we going to eventually be able to worship in person without masks, without fear of disease or or contagious spread? Yes, by faith, I say yes, we will. And I'm looking forward to that day. Are we going to see our children and students eventually be able to return to school, sports, and extracurricular activities by faith? I say yes. And yet we have to understand that at times, faith means to be willing to do the right things while we wait for a better time. If you doubt that, then go back and read the rest of Hebrews 11 which is sometimes called the faith chapter. And we learn of individual after individual who have to wait for seasons of time, sometimes long seasons of time. Abraham who had to wait for 25 years for the child of the promise to be born. Moses who had to wait for 40 years for the time to be right for him to deliver God's people to to freedom. Joseph had to wait and endure hardship while he waited for God to release him from jail even though he was falsely accused. And yet all of them are commended in Hebrews 11 as being examples of faith, those who were willing to wait. You know, as Andrew mentioned earlier, we had planned previously to have an outdoor worship at the end of August, right before the beginning of school, back when we thought school was gonna start August 26th. And we, we made that plan when things were look like everything was gonna kinda tail down and everything was gonna get back to normal at the end of August, and yet that didn't happen as we'd hoped. And so this, this week we've had a conversation among myself, the rest of the staff, leadership team, elders, and we've asked ourselves, what is the faithful thing to do? Should we go ahead and just plow ahead and have that outdoor worship, or maybe Where we landed is that faith sometimes means that you're willing to wait. Not cancel, but just postpone for a later time. You see, faith means at times be willing to ask the tough questions and learn 
what God wants us to learn during the tough times of life. If you doubt that's true, ask Job, who poured out his heart toward God, poured out question after question, and God spoke powerfully to him. My concern is that during times of challenge, we won't lean in and ask God the tough questions and really grow in our faith through the times of challenge. And in fact, I wonder if we're not willing to learn the things that God wants us to learn, maybe God will just let us wander a little bit longer. If you doubt that, ask the Israelites who wandered for 40 years. You see, faith sometimes means waiting. But waiting with confidence, waiting with patience, waiting with a a certainty that better days lie ahead. Do you have that faith? And yet the question begs to be asked, how do we grow in faith? Maybe you say, I've I've been wrestling with faith, Roger. So then we wanna make sure we, we talk about how do we grow in faith? As I researched this question, I was reminded of the promise found in the letter to the Romans. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, we read these words. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. You see, when we hear and read God's word, the Holy Scriptures, then God will grow in our hearts a deeper faith. You see, the Bible is not only a standard for our faith, and yes, it is. It's the standard and norm we've embraced. And yet, it's also a means to grow in our faith. As we allow ourselves to be, to be uh, moved and touched and changed by God's word, as we allow ourselves to hear God's word, as we read God's word, as we allow ourselves to continually be in God's word, God will use his words to grow our faith. In my life, there's a direct correlation between the amount of time that I've been spending in God's word and the amount of faith I have in my heart. As I spend consistent quality time with God and his word, then I see my confidence and and my assurance of God being at work in my life and in this world grow. How about you? Have you been spending time in God's Word? Some of you might say, well, I don't enjoy reading. Well, I'll tell you what. This passage says that faith comes from hearing the Word. Maybe for some of you, you just need to listen to God's Word through, you know, some podcast or through some app. There's all kinds of opportunities to hear God's Word. Maybe as you're driving to work or maybe you're going for a walk in the neighborhood, just allow God's Word to wash over you and see If you won't see what I've seen in my life, that your faith will grow as a result of it. Maybe some of you are doubting, will that that be the key for, will that be true in my life? Well, we'll take the test. Pick up the Bible. If you don't have a copy, let me know before you leave and we'll make sure we get you a free copy so that you can begin to read and take in God's word and allow it to grow your faith. And finally, our last question, how do you, how do I live out our faith? 
Let's listen to what James had to say on the subject of faith. In James 2, verse 14, he says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your action? Can that kind of faith save you? Verse 16, what good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Verse 19, you say you have faith for you believe there's one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Verse 26, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. James reminds us that to say we have faith without acting upon it is not biblical faith. He's not saying that faith plus work saves us, but he's saying that true biblical faith will always be accompanied with action. And without action, our faith is incomplete. In fact, James goes so far as to say that faith without action is what? It's dead. I don't want a dead faith, do you? I want a living, growing faith. And the way that the, the scripture tells us to have that growing, living faith is to put into action what God's word tells us to do. To have complete faith, we must act accordingly to what we believe. We must act upon our faith. Have you been content to simply say, well, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus Christ. James reminds us that even the demons believe and tremble. You see, that's not biblical faith. Is there something that you've been prompted to do in response to God's word and yet you've been putting it off? You see, that's believe without action. You see, God's looking for a people that will just take him at his word and put it into action even when it's difficult, especially when it's difficult. Because that's when our faith grows. That's when our faith becomes real. That's when our faith becomes contagious. The one faith that God calls us to is a faith that actually puts our belief into action. And that's why it's so important for us to carry out our faith in actions and certain faith acts. Two ordained faith acts that we emphasize here at Southwest are baptism and communion. In baptism, the believer participates initially in the death, burial, and resurrection, trusting totally in Jesus' promise of eternal life through him. In communion, we remember what Jesus has done for us. And we take personal inventory of our hearts and, and lives, asking the tough questions, am I living out my faith? This is why Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 11. Examine yourselves, and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body eat and drink judgment against themselves. For this reason, many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. You see, we're called not to have a dead faith, and we're called not to be dead spiritually. We're called to have an active faith that puts into action what we believe. 
Communion is a simple faith act that we're called to take the bread, to take the cup, to remember what Jesus has done for us in the body. But it's also time for us to examine our hearts and examine our lives and to ask ourselves, have I just been content to say I believe? Or have I been living out my faith with action? Maybe during this time of communion, you'll resolve to put into action something you've been putting off for some time, but you know God's prompting you to do. I don't know what that is, but let's be people of living faith. And let's resolve during this time of communion that we'll embrace that type of faith that God's called us to. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this simple faith act. It just brings us back time and time again to your love and your grace shown to us in Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful gift, Lord, thank you. And yet you call us to embrace that with faith. Help us during this time of communion to remember and to maybe even ask ourselves, do we really believe that this, is, this story is true, that Jesus died for us, was buried and was raised again? Help us remember his love, his sacrifice. And Lord, help us examine our hearts. Help re-energize and activate our faith as we spend this time in reflection. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope that was a meaningful time for you, a time of reflection, a time of remembrance, a time of examination, a time of motivation to live out our faith. If you want more assurance, if you want to embrace this one faith that we talked about today, we want to invite you back this Tuesday evening. We're going to provide another opportunity even the following week. But we want to encourage you to come and Learn how you can have assurance. But let's all resolve as we sing this last song to live a life this week of active faith, putting into practice what we know to do. And let's make sure we're setting aside that time every day to be listening to God's word so that we can be growing in our faith. Let's stand and sing.